Hey guys, welcome to episode 52 of the JV Club. We've done it! Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to one year. I'm so delighted and thrilled. Uh, obviously, I have so many friends who have podcasts who have been doing it for years. I do feel like a bit of a late bloomer in some ways, but you know what? This is our special JV Club timeline. And in that timeline, all that matters is we've turned one. I want to thank all of you guys who have been with me since the beginning. I certainly want to thank all of you who have joined us along the way. Um, it has been such a joy. I, you know, I've said it before. I'll probably say it a dozen more times. My life has changed because of this podcast. Um, in large part due to you, the listeners. I want to get some shout outs in here straight away. If you are new to the podcast and you're tuning in because you're a fan of Sarah Silverman, just know that every week I like to lull everyone into a, a sleepy, bored state by giving podcast shout outs before I get into the episode itself. So hunger down because you're about to hear what that sounds like. I want to thank on the Michaela Nerdist page, Joseph, Emily, PJ, Scott B, and Lauren H. On the Carla Gallo Nerdist page, Harvey, Spencer, John G, Alec, Paul, Starbuck, that guy from Austin, and Meg. On the Facebook page, I want to thank Jessica, John N, Rick S, Brendan, Feast the Bread, Brendan, Feast the Bread, Liz D, Adam B, Alexis B, Amy C, Gabriella F, Tammy C for posting her Deadbeat Club slash JV Club lyrics, Michelle M. And then on Twitter, I want to thank Ken F, who shares my love of Emma Thompson, Anna S and Kate M for weighing in on Downton Abbey, Nita and uh, Shmoo, Hannah Anybody else who wished me um, a speedy recovery from the cold, which I, by the way, still have not gotten over. I hope you don't get, uh, get this, you guys. I mean, I, I'm certainly not suggesting you can get it from listening to this podcast, but I hope you don't get whatever this virus is that's going around. I hope it doesn't make it to you in whatever far reaches of the world this podcast finds you in. I want to thank Liza A via email, Jackie F, uh, Jody C, Jessica B, and Pierre Jerome for your emails. And then, of course, from the J.Varney at SF Sketchfest PayPal account, for those of you who've been contributing to help your fellow podcast listeners get buttons and to start a t-shirt fund, I want to thank you so much. In this particular case, we're talking about Hannah J., NRDJZZ and Catherine R. Guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, before I get into the Sarah Silverman episode, I wanted to let you know that I did ask uh, just a handful of fans, people who have been real consistent since the beginning uh, of giving me feedback, weighing in on a regular basis. Um, I didn't have much time for this. Uh, I really wanted to do like an extravaganza of a of an episode fifty two and. Um, Boy, it has just been uh, still really crazy in uh, in Janet Varneyland. So um, I just reached out to a handful of you. Um, you know who you are and asked you to weigh in on some of your favorite episodes and to give me some moments that you particularly liked. So what you guys are about to hear is just, you know, a few clips from uh, episodes and moments that, that you, the fans, have particularly singled out. And again, uh, there are so many and too many to do here. But um, this is just a little bit of a sampling. I want to first uh, bring in um, a lot of people's favorites, uh, a moment with Alison Brie. I go back out and they're like, Alison, you're up next on the beam. I get on the balance beam. You see where this is going. I get on the balance beam. I get halfway. I'm dead center on the balance beam. And this is like a big gym. All the ki kids' parents are there watching. I, I, I'm... I have to stop, like, you know, when you have to pee so bad and you can't even move, and then I just go. I just pee oh, right in the middle no. of the high balance beam <laughs> oh, and just no. down my leg, onto the beam, onto the mat. Kids oh, are screaming. The teacher was like, my dad's there. He comes running up to the teacher like, what's happening? The teacher goes to my dad. I don't know what's going on. She just peed. Oh. <laughs> and then... Um, here is something from the Elizabeth Lame episode. My mom was furious when we brought her home from the pound because my dad took me and my sister. And she, she knew that this dog was going to be like 100 pounds. And my mom was five feet tall and weighed 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, Daisy just became too much to handle. And we kind of just kept her. <laughs> this oh, no. <laughs> but it's true. We kept her like in the basement. <laughs> oh god! It was a fin. It was a finished basement. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And who could forget uh, this sterling moment with the one and only Natasha Legero? 
say this. I had a lot of responsibility as a child. I was kind of like in charge of babysitting and cleaning. Like I'd iron my brother's clothes and take care of them. And so I was definitely like a mom. Yeah. Why did so I wait? Think your brother wore clothes that needed to be ironed. Well, we went, Who was I went he? To private school. <laughs> <laughs> was he a C? He went to, he was a in CEO. my world, he was a CEO. In my world, everything is rumpled and awful unless you're a CEO. <laughs> and speaking of clothing, um, a lot of people enjoyed Vanessa Ragland's description of Victoria's Secret. Miss Piggy. Oh, no, it was Pigtoria's Secret shirt, and I thought it was hilarious. Let's just say that again for the <laughs> listeners. Pigtoria's Secret. She was in the bustier. They, well, first of all, I guess I, well, okay, a couple things. Number one, <laughs> was this something that was Victoria's Secret related? Like, I, I'm trying to remember, because I do remember the Muppets being involved in parody. Yeah. But I'm trying to think if it was like... Make like it was a Muppets brand thing, making fun of the idea of Victoria's Secret, or somehow it was I, like in conjunction with the company Victoria's Secret. I as don't like know a, because I think it was really pushing those boundaries because it looked it was like the exact Victoria's Secret logo. Yeah. I didn't really know what any of that was, but it was like this. It had like this long thing, like this sexy sassy bustier. I memorized this whole shirt, and <laughs> I would like if somebody complimented me, I would just like read off the whole. Oh, I really loved Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy's Guide to Life had that book. And since I can't seem to get off the clothing jag, here's a moment from Maggie Lawson's episode when she talks about her first kiss. And, uh, you know, there was just the day that he came over and we were um, in my uh, basement and he brought a friend with him and his friend left the room. Like I saw like a little exchange happen between the two of them. Yeah. And his friend left the room and then he like planted it on me. And I was like, whoa. And then there was like a pause. And then he kissed me again. Oh, so I got like the devil. You did. And I remember what I was wearing because. Please tell me. My, well, obviously a Coca-Cola sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> because they were so hip uh, and so in and it was red. Uh, and the reason I'll always remember that is because after, are you crying? <laughs> oh my God, if I were crying. No, I wish I were crying. I love hope so much. <laughs> Uh, I walked upstairs and my mom said, uh, did he just kiss you? And I was like, uh, 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 and she was like, cause your face is as red as your sweatshirt. <laughs> okay guys, again, so many more that I wish I could have played. Um, we'll do some, some more greatest hits, uh, down the line. But, um, I think almost everyone that I asked, um, or who reached out to me said uh, we would be remiss if we did not include just a moment of Priscilla Ahn's amazing cover of Before You Were Brittle. And uh, as soon as that finishes up, we'll lead you into the episode proper with Sarah. It's an episode I recorded quite some time ago. You'll hear references, for example, to upcoming elections. I think we all know we have already uh, completed those elections and then some, including an inauguration, guys. Uh, but it's an episode I was holding on to. Um, there's some sensitive subject matter in it. I want you to know that um, although it's uh, made fun of, it's certainly a very sensitive matter and uh, something I don't take lightly. Please um, feel free to contact me if you have thoughts on that. You'll hear what that is uh, in the episode itself. But um, this is pre-MASH, pre-Fortune Teller, all that stuff we hadn't started doing yet. So enjoy the episode with Sarah Silverman um, as soon as we take a little listen to the gorgeous strains of Priscilla Ahn's cover from back before we were brittle from the live lizzie kaplan at la podfest episode thanks you guys happy birthday to us
welcome to the JV Club. This is Janet. I don't know why it wouldn't be me. Um, I am sitting. Oh, I'm sitting on a couch, accompanied by the one and only Sarah Silverman. There may be more than one Sarah Silverman, actually. There are several, actually. Yeah. Um, you're my one and only Sarah Silverman. Thank you, Janet. I don't. I'm not comfortable with the idea of even meeting another girl named Sarah Silverman. So yeah. sometimes when I shape. Google myself, I see other Sarah Silvermans who scored a goal in soccer. Hmm. And to that Sarah Silverman, I say, you go with you your go. bad self. You go, Sarah Silverman. There's a couple of Janet Varney's, um, which I was surprised by. I don't feel like I have a name. I think I had the ego of a name that I thought would never, that couldn't, wouldn't be possible for another Janet Varney to exist. I can't imagine another But there Janet are, Varney. in fact, a couple of others. I don't know if any of them live in the States. The one that I'm most aware of is a nurse in New Zealand. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm very curious about her. Yeah. Like, that's just interesting enough and different enough to seem like, maybe I should go out there and meet her. Is that a reason to cross the world? Maybe Janet not. Varney? Janet Varney. Janet Varney. Janet Varney. Oh, nice. I wanted to do that, but I didn't (laughs) know how. I had to think about it uh, maybe longer than the listener had time to to put in. Um, So you, I I just finished saying, guys, uh, full disclosure, right before we started recording, I said, Sarah, I don't want to make you rehash the wonderful tales in Bedwetter, which is what's so like, that's what's hard about a podcast like this is that she's the, she's sort of my dream podcast guest for what this podcast is yet. Has she, has she said it all already? Have we covered her entire adolescence in her book? I don't think we have. I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to skip past the bedwetting stuff. If you guys want to hear about bedwetting until 16, I was a bedwetter until I was 16. I thought it was going to be my deepest, darkest darkest secret of my life. Turns out, you get older and then it's really not a big deal at all. Yeah. It is interesting how it starts to feel good to talk about and make fun of the things that felt so mortifying when you were a teenager and and younger. Because you want to go back and go, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It doesn't have any bearing on your coolness. Yeah. If anything, it's given you skills that have helped you be cool. Like if what someone is cool? says, what's cool? We can't hire you unless you can wet a bed. Exactly. You'd be like, you come the right place. Sign me up. Um. So... So yeah, guys, so why don't you supplement this? If stuff comes up or if you have questions that you feel weren't answered, you may find that you have a resource at your fingertips in her book that you um, that you can uh, turn to. And maybe I'll, I might get, I might have forgotten and get repetitive, but it is frankly an amazing book. Oh, um, yeah. But so, but let me, let, so I'm not going to go into like, you were, you're the, you know, the youngest of four daughters. What, what, what was that like? But I do, I feel like we can just kind of jump around. Let me tell you some stuff that came up for me specifically when I was thinking about the fact that I was going to see you and that you were doing this podcast. Because with some guests, um, we kind of do do that thing where I like go down the list. I'm like, and your mother's name is, and your father's name is, and think stories and anecdotes and stuff kind of come out from there. But um, one of the things that I love about you that I that I that I immediately kind of thought about when I when I knew I was going to see you was um, just this idea of I I so relate to the to the kind of grown up kid slash kid grown up thing that I that you have that I feel like I also have certainly not to the same notoriety or recognition of like how you've been able to cultivate that in the work that you do and and the shows that you've done and the and the music that you write and all that but like i so love that that idea of like those two things kind of existing side by side does that make sense you mean uh what do you mean i just mean like like you're like a like being a grown-up kid like being like you know yeah i never you know i don't i mean it's not something and i'm sure you are the same way that i think about right i'm just a big kid i mean i just i think my parents are the same way you know i just you know my dad dresses like a slob my mom you know like 
wears two different color socks. <clears throat> um, I don't know. You know, you know, I remember my mom looking in the mirror and going, that's not me. Yeah, that's not me. That's what my mom does. And <clears throat> I kind of understand it because you just are this thing inside, you know, and, yeah. and as your body is like changing and growing or aging or anything, you just go, it's just, it's just not how you think of yourself. But at the same time, it's just kind of an avatar for this stuff inside. Yeah. You know? I, it's interesting. So you do think that you kind of got that from your parents. Yeah. That sort of like, who cares? Well, there's this, um, I feel like, uh, kids and grownups often, uh, don't, they forget to ask themselves, what do I like? What am I into? And they just follow this line of whatever they see in front of them and whatever the people around them want are their wants. Yeah. And whatever the people around them, you know, whatever is they think other people might think of as normal is what they strive for because of this fear of being not normal. Yeah. Like this this hor- this terror of of um being whatever not normal is and then you realize like those people around you that you think are normal and you're the weirdo are, you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, like the most important thing you have to remember is to just ask yourself, like, is this what I want? What do I like? What am I into? Based on not, not your friends, not your parents, not society, not commercials, not television, but just like what floats your boat? What feel, what music feels good in your ear holes? Yeah. You don't have to explain it or it doesn't have to be, maybe it's not what is cool to your friends or maybe, you know, um, or maybe it's like too popular and that's not cool. Then you're, then you're making decisions about your life based on, a fear. Yeah. You know what I mean? What feels good in your ear holes? What feels good on your, in your eye holes? Absolutely. And I, I feel like, um, it's funny cause I feel like, and that's one of the things I, that we talk about on the podcast a lot is, is the, the person that you, that whole avatar idea of the person that you are when that stuff starts to get fleshed out and how much of that you carry with you no matter how old you are. And I've talked to people in their early 20s and I've talked to people in their late 60s and everybody sort of feels like nobody says I am exactly the person that I was when I was 15 years old. But everybody kind of says, I think I thought I was going to feel a lot different. And and then some of us like me, I really do feel like, and I, I feel like it's reinforced all the time by people I run into who I went to grade school with who are just like, oh, God, you are so the same. To the point where I feel like I should apologize for not being wiser. I feel like I should have, I should seem more together and wise. But I, but I feel like um, that idea of where your opinions come from, I mean, everything that you just listed off, it's not don't do it because it's this. Don't, you don't have to feel this way because it's, it's out there here and here and here and your friends like it or whatever. That's can be really daunting. And you can sort of, I think I, I sort of had experiences when I was younger, especially in college, where I found myself going, I think I'm having like an identity crisis where I'm not sure that what I'm into is real. Like what I'm into is really what I'm into. I'm not sure if this music is pleasing to my ear holes. Yeah. I'm not sure that I, I I'm pretty sure these jeans look terrible on me. Despite the fact that everyone else is walking around wearing them looking terrible. The first guy that I thought I had sex with when I was 18, before I realized what sex (laughs) really was when I had sex, (sighs) um, was a guy I was not at all attracted to, but knew all my girlfriends would think he was really hot. Yeah. And it's not funny. I mean, it's just like, it just means nothing. Yeah. Well, plus with... I mean, I don't know if this boy, did this boy make, like, did you feel you sort of had the power in that situation? Or did you feel also like you were, you were trying to be attractive to someone that you didn't even really like because other people would think it was cool? No, he was like a a man. It's, he isn't anyone, anyone would 
have met at my high school. I was a senior in high school. I was visiting my sister in college at BU. Um, and he came over her and her roommate's like place. And then my sister and her roommate went to do the AIDS walk. <laughs> and we hung back. Classic wingman, the AIDS walk. And uh, I just was did not know what I was doing. I, I, I didn't fool around like in high school. I went to a tiny high school where like the guys there were like brothers. I mean, I, yeah. I did not find anyone attractive except for my history teacher, Mr. Mm. Burke. <laughs> and so this was like my first, I mean, when I lost my virginity, I was already a comedian. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Um, so did you, so did, and when you did, did you, experience like did you feel like now i want to him in my life or was it confusing that that you didn't really know him and that you didn't oh that guy yeah no i felt no connection to him yeah. that guy i don't can't remember his name is it was like a odd name like brooks or something like that i don't know Ch- Ch- chaplain he had, he had like a long beard and long hair mm-hmm. and he looked really jesusy and you know i was like so not into it what made you th- so? But in and you had just met him, and he. What was it that ha- he came that over the night before? Like, I guess this is going to be the guy that I. And we fell asleep watching Dead Ringers, which which way, is a, a hugely disturbing movie. A very disturbing movie starring Jeremy Irons as twin gynecologist like murderers. It sounds like it's a a joke, and it's, yet it's a real movie that's extremely disturbing with like very twisted gynecological instruments that. Oh, David Cronenberg. Um, yeah. So that's really messed up right there that you felt. Then the next morning, you just well, like this climbed is the guy on that you didn't think that you, that you thought that you had had sex with, but you didn't really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, then the real time with the comedian was like, I, I was beyond ready for it and like loved it and yeah. was just like, I want to have sex all the time. <laughs> I'm just. And then I did for about a year. <laughs> you're, you're allowed. You're allowed. Uh, and listen, that's what you wanted. That's what felt good to your other holes. <laughs> um, but I guess, I don't know, what that brought up for me was this idea of like, you know, you 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 thought it was somebody that your friends would think was cool that yeah. you did that with. And then when you put, for me anyway, because some, some of the sex that I had when I was in high school, I not only was I doing it with someone that I probably shouldn't have been, but I also then handed over this emotional power to someone yes. I didn't really respect in the first place. That's like layers on layers on layers so of confusion. It's like even though it wasn't the right person and maybe you realize that in the cold light of day, you still get the added uh, feature of feeling rejection. Absolutely. And <laughs> I tie that and I tie that teenager feeling in, not that that ever really goes away. But it's but in but so much of what you experience as a teenager reminds me of like being in this particular business, which that's this podcast isn't about being in this business, but just this idea of like attaching value to something that you have no respect for just based on wanting the positive reinforcement from it. Like, I really don't want this part. This is a terrible script, but now that they seem disinterested in me, it feels like maybe it was the best thing I've ever read. Right. Like, how do we, like, that feels, that feels so close to that person that had butterflies in her stomach that I was when I was 15, 16, all the time. Well, I mean, look at that, whatever that, the game or whatever that book is that teaches guys how to pick up girls. <sighs> I mean, they tell, they tell the guys to reject the girl you want, to, to neg her or whatever, you know, yeah. say a negative, you yeah. know, say, and I understand how that works, like, because I, you know, I mean, and it's, it, you know, it's funny because <clears throat> I was at a party and a man uh, was, um, came over to me, this was recently, and he was like, yeah, I've seen your comedy. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. And I go, and he's, and he goes, uh, oh, I, um, when I got the text to come over to this party, I was on, you know, on top of a teenager. But uh, yeah, you know, he was just saying all the wow. stuff. Then he says, like, oh, I've seen your comedy. It's pretty good. I mean, if you feel, if you're, 
if you just think it's pretty good, then you'd probably not say anything yeah. at all unless you yeah. really wanted me to like go like, well, 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 why make it better? Yeah. So, I, but anyway, he's he's saying all this stuff to me, and I just go, oh, sweetie, I'm just, <laughs> I have like way too much self esteem. I'm too old <laughs> to be intrigued by this yes. or like need your yes. approval, but you're adorable. <laughs> what did he do? He was just like, uh. I gotta go get on some. But it is like I've, I'm at a point where I find it adorable. Yeah, <laughs> like, what a relief, right? To get yes. to a place where you just can't engage in that way. And when I was 18, I worked. I was a cocktail waitress, and I um, <clears throat> it was terrifying. I mean, you know, I I I was a good girl, you know, and I was worked for these two guys that you know own this this place the margaritaville lounge Mm -hmm. in manchester new hampshire (laughs) and um it it, uh it was a real like sham of a place like you know when they run out of tortilla chips bring them more but you charge them a dollar fifty for it you know and all this stuff anyway i got called into one of the boss's office i was so nervous i thought i was in trouble and he's just making conversation hey uh you like working here you know and i'm like yeah yeah you know and that's my heart pounding like just so nervous and i look because he's just making small talk and he has his penis out and is and is like stroking his penis and i went um i have to clean the popcorn machine and I walked out and I cleaned the popcorn machine and I look looking back on it, I never told anybody. Yeah. And it's that's why they prey yeah. on eighteen year olds or girls who put it on themselves or like that's the reaction to that. I wish so much that he did it to me now yeah, or ten years ago even. You know, yeah. it's like I would have it would have been hilarious to me. I would have told everybody. <laughs> but that's why guys like that don't prey on yeah. on, you know, fully realized women. They yeah. prey on girls who um think it must be them and, and I, that it's a secret. Yes. In fact I have not ever said this to any certainly not anyone in any any time in public but because you've just said that I will say this uh someone basically molested me on a flight oh my god like someone sitting next to me was like touching me after we had made some kind of cursory friendly conversation when I was 16 and it was a red eye and I was by myself and um and he started touching me and I like under a blanket and I I literally thought to myself yeah, I probably, I was probably too nice to him. Like, I should just let this happen yeah. until it ends. You let him on. You let him on. I never on said anything nice to him. anyone. Isn't that amazing? And what wow. bothers me about that, and I don't know if you feel this way also, but like, what does haunt me about that is who else did he do that to? Of like, course. I feel so guilty that I didn't do something to try to stop him from ever being able to do that again. But I was 16. I think it's the cliche of like, it was a red eye. I was like disoriented when I got off the plane. I think I was like, did I imagine that? Like, what was that? And super creepy. Oh God. Yeah. I, so many experiences like that happen. And you, I think we're brought up to think that adults know better. So you just don't question it. Yeah. I'd like to invite anybody, and this is not where we, Sarah and I did not set out to make this a molestation-centric mm-hmm. uh, interview, but uh, given what we've both just said, f- I encourage you, feel free to tell someone. Feel free to tell someone. Feel free to email me and just tell me if you want that something like that happened. It, 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 this stuff happens a lot, and um, if you have any shadow of a doubt of like what I just described, which is I wish that I even just would have said something so that maybe somebody else after me wouldn't have experienced it and hopefully no one ever did um but i'm sure by all did. means reach out and probably they did <clears throat> and you should have charged your boss a dollar fifty <laughs> commensurate with uh, bringing tortilla chips is what i would equate that to um of course i am making light of something horrible because <laughs> i can't we there's no way i'm gonna spend the rest of the time talking about this but i definitely encourage you guys to reach out and uh and give your feedback here as well um what all right, this, we're, we're talking about boys. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, what were you? I ex- 
experienced a lot of like, how feminine do I need to be to be exciting to a boy? And I think I still experience that now. That hasn't really changed in some ways. Um, and I feel like I identify with you as well and being like, I'm a girl, but I'm not a girl, but I'm a girl, but I'm not a girl. Like, what, what, you know what I mean? Do you, did you struggle with that? Did you feel like, how um, pretty do I need to be? How, like, and, and about my, the way I carry myself and present myself to the world, not just physically, but as a human being, how does that play in with like boys and flirting and dating? You know, and- I, I'm from New Hampshire and, uh, and, the thing about New Hampshire, well, there's this kind of girls play sports there. You know what I mean? So it was like the girl athletes were cool. You know, I mean, I played sports and it was um, girls play sports in New Hampshire. I don't know. I can't explain it other than it's 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 not seen as, you know, so it's like I was athletic and I did the plays and stuff. And but um, point being what, Sarah? I, I think I asked one. a really non-question no, 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 question. No. I know, you know, I, I, you know. Obviously, like one way means that I found to survive being for whatever reasons, like the dynamics in my family, the way I got approval, the way um, I deflected being ridiculed or made fun of was that I found being funny, you know, and I was self-deprecating and I was the class clown and all that stuff and. That, you know, comedy is traditionally, it's a very masculine thing and it's a, ma- and I don't want to, you know, not necessarily masculine, but it felt, I only associated it with masculine, but it's power. Mm-hmm. And, and power is, is associated with things that are masculine in our society. And um, when women are powerful, they, they, don't get the boys necessarily or things like that, you know? Well, yeah, because to your point, the game, the book, the game doesn't want you to pick up powerful women because a, they'll see through that and B it's kind of hard to create that power structure. So I mean, you know, and in relationships I do tend to be, you know, and I'm, this isn't, I'm not saying young girls do this at all. But I tend to be more submissive in a relationship because I want to be the girl. I want to. Yeah. I want to in a relationship. I mean, look, it's it's give and take, and I, ideally, you're both each other's biggest cheerleaders, and you know. But it's hard because you want to have that dynamic. I mean, that's not hard. I mean, I love adoring somebody like it feels yeah, good you yeah know? and um and just loving someone to pieces it just it's easy for me you know I love it me I too. love you know and I just want to be able to do that you know and it sometimes it's hard um the mix of of your strong life and your life where you want to be able to be so totally vulnerable and how and and at the beginning of something if you're flirting or courting or however you want to look at it whether you're 15 or 45 or 75 those that sort of dance um in a straight relationship and in a gay relationship and any relationship it's it's so hard because it's confusing to try to put all of that out there at once and I'm a really impatient person so I feel like I want someone to understand that like in moments I need to feel like I'm in charge because it because it's scary to be vulnerable and then in other moments I want to be taken care of and in yet other moments I want to be like teased but in like a sexy fun way that's a lot I know that's a lot to to ask and to expect. And at the guys beginning are of not mind readers, <laughs> but I I'm pretty good at asking for what I want, and you know sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. Yeah. But um, but you know, if we're talking about relationships, the best thing I've learned is that we're all responsible for our own happiness. If there's so, if you're you know to be with someone who depends on you to be happy is a is a downward spiral waiting to happen. You know, I love the feeling of making someone happy, but you want them to come happy. 
You know, yeah. you want them to be open and working on their stuff, you know, and figuring things out. You know, we were born perfect, but we we're raised broken. Yeah. And and even at a young age, you can just start start observing your life and your feelings and going like, why do I feel this way? Or, you know, I mean, there's. We have whole lives of misplaced anger, and I'm talking out of my butt right now, but um, there's a lot of truth to it. You know, it's like finding yeah. out where feelings are coming from, the root of them, and then just practicing being aware of that is the key to a happy life, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have, I, I think I, especially as a teenager, I couldn't understand why I felt the way I did, and I was so spirally about it. And I think I was a I was a real thinker as a kid. I mean, I kept a journal every day. I thought I was working through everything and heavens knows I was trying. I mean, if I go back and read that stuff, I really am like, I don't understand why this, this and this and why would they? And I think I thought I was really puzzling through my own feelings. But I will say that now when I do revisit those those journal entries from my high school years I was still really just asking why doesn't this person feel this way what do they want what do they think about me how do and it and so I thought it was about what I wanted and what I thought and how I felt external but it was all about trying to understand other people's actions and their motivations and I and I should have spent more time asking myself the questions you brought up earlier in the podcast like what do what do I want do I like this person why do I care that this girl is so mean to me if she's a jerk why am I spilling my guts out onto the page like trying to figure out and understand what I must have done to make her dislike me but just the study of of trying to understand people and where they're their behavior comes from is great looking inside coupled with looking inside yourself. But in terms of like, you'll never escape caring about what other people think of you. But if you can keep it in check and realize, you know, we might just be, it might just be you listener. And we (laughs) might be a created thing in your brain that, punishes and rewards yourself through these other avatars that don't exist. So don't put too much weight on what people think of you because they they don't matter. Yeah. Unless they matter to you. But um I wanted to say something else I was excited about. Shoot. Um love life I don't know. Relationships. Oh, I was thinking earlier because I was I was thinking earlier about the idea of going all the way back to the silliness and your parents and I was thinking about the fact that my mom ordered when I was a little girl, she ordered these Del Monte plush vegetables that you could get. They're like little tiny plush toys that you could get if you sent in late canned food labels from Del Monte. Hmm. We didn't have any money. And so it was a big deal. So we were like saving up our Del Monte food labels and we sent them off and she very carefully picked out which plush animals she wanted. They were plush vegetables and fruits. Yeah. Um, with little like gl- like rosy cheeks and Aww. pink lips. And, um, and she got them back. And I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I just assumed she was sort of doing all of this for me because I was the kid. But like she really didn't want me to touch them because <laughs> she was really into them. And she wasn't into them. She's not like a collector who puts something on a wall. But they were her toys. Aww. And she still, to this day, has like the most whimsical relationship with toys and little small things and animals and she has little she has a really really tiny apartment but she rotates out like some of the animals from when i was a kid that she couldn't bear to get rid of and she'll i'll be talking to her on the phone and she'll be like well it just took snarfy the dog back out of the trunk and so he's at the foot of the bed and you know what at night i usually give him a little pat and say good night snarfy and i feel like the 13 year old in me would have been like my mom is crazy and she's really annoying um and now just you know i mean really pretty much any time since after i wasn't she didn't have custody of me at all like once i was sort of out of the house and realized that she wasn't against me and everything i stood for at all um 
And now I think, I, please let me be like that for the rest of my life. I'm definitely like that now. And I love seeing the silliness and, and the, the giddiness of like, oh, oh, heavens, I don't care what anyone thinks about that. Like it's like it's that it's like a bubbly feeling like when you get good news when you realize that you something that you're into somebody else might think you're an idiot for liking and when you realize you don't care it is that feeling yeah. it's like someone was like you just won a major reward it's a huge burden lifted it's so nice um so when you so when you wanted to like impress a boy and I, I don't know why, I mean, this is not, I didn't write down a bunch of questions about boys, but, um, I just feel like you're giving really good advice right now. Yeah. Um, when you decided that you liked one, like, how did you, like, would you, how would you pursue a boy? Like, how would you, I don't have good examples of this because I never really had any kind of, I had, little boyfriends in high school but I didn't I even know kiss you said them. they were all like, like or, their your, your brothers yeah, so I guess it was we're getting like, into it was such a small school and it just was like there was no one that made my heart like skip a beat except for my history teacher Mr. Berg I loved my chemistry teacher Mr. Matt big time Ugh. so when I moved to New York and I started doing stand up then I fell in love with people because I always I grew up wanting to be a comedian and, and loving comedians so all of a sudden I think it's I think it's a female trait to be more attract you know, guy comics can date waitresses and, and believe me, I've been a waitress. It's not it's not all just one thing, but I'm just saying women tend to be attracted to men they look up to and who are um have the same passions as them and maybe are farther along in a place where their passion their own passions lie you know so you know i fell in love with a million comedians you know and um yeah the first one was this guy kevin brennan he do you know neil brennan yeah he's his older oldest brother of 10 oh wow neil's the youngest and uh he was the host, the MC of the open mic night, and he carried a briefcase, and I thought that was very cool. And uh, he was, he was just, oh, I just, I just was in love with him, and and it was very much that kind of negative, like he acted like I was a kid that was wasting his time, and I loved that, mm-hmm, you know, and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was I was in my one year of college that I went to, and he was like, "You belong to a sorority," and I'm like, "Yeah," even though I wasn't. <laughs> He's like, "What is it?" And I'm like, "It's only for cool girls," and I'm the only one in it. Then he's like, "Want to see my apartment?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> that all sounds familiar. Yeah, That's I was so, I was yeah. very not prudish, but I I didn't have any experience with sex in or anything really some kissing but yeah. I didn't even you know wasn't into it um in high school and then when I moved to New York I felt like I blossomed like a flower and I just I just couldn't get enough you know I would <clears throat> there's you're out in a world of like you're not just in your college world you're not having that collegiate experience of these are my peers and my no, professors yeah. you you also entered into the world of like kind of agelessness in a lot of ways yeah well and you know doing comedy <clears throat> and most of those people I'm still are still comedians and I'm still friends with so whereas like I go to UCB and I'm friends with you know all these comics in their 20s I also am friends with comics who are Pushing 60, who were the grownups when I started. And, you know, you don't let go of them either. You know, they're, you know, they're, um, so they, you know, you have this, this giant diverse group of friends, um, that are go span in age, you know, over like 40 years or something, you know, and, uh, and culturally every, you know, comedians are, such a specific breed and you end up want you know kind of feeling most comfortable around them but they're culturally so diverse you know and yeah. and um it's a very odd it's kind of you you get this feeling like you're a part of 
very proudly this part of the of a you know land of misfit toys. That's a good way of putting it. And uh, I love it. I love you know when you're at a party where you don't know anybody or it's all you know grown upy people, and then another comedian walks in. You're like, <gasps> and even if you're not close with them or you don't know them well, you just go, yeah, you know, and, and yeah. find a corner. I'll be and, understood and heard in some way that I couldn't be otherwise. Yeah. here in this we environment, we can be on the outside looking in yeah. comfortably together. I totally relate to that. Um, just your point about diversity did make me want to ask you a question about. So you went. It was a dairy field. Is that the high dairy school field? Dairy yeah. field. What? What? It, were there uh, openly gay kids when you were in high school? Uh, you know, when I was in high school, it was a long time ago. But yeah, there was. There was one openly lesbian girl. What was her name? I want to say Shelly, but that can't be right. Shelly, right. maybe? She was very cool. Um, I don't remember any gay, out openly gay boys. Um, I just think that's so fascinating. I was thinking about that with my own high school the other day. Like, oh, I just had one gay friend. And I know just by virtue of keeping in touch with a lot of my friends who are now gay, who were then, but it doesn't feel, I don't feel old enough to feel like there could be that much of a difference between high schools now and high schools when I was in high school. But sure enough, if I look back and think, really, I only had one gay friend? That's not possible. Yeah. I wonder who is gay from my like. Usually, you can, you go. Well, he wasn't gay, but he was gay. But right. I, don't know, I don't know. It was such a small school that it's actually possible, maybe. But yeah, maybe probably not. Yeah. But um, I think I well, you know, there's all these <clears throat> bullying suicides and like crazy stuff happening, and so in a way, you know, I think we're living in a really, a crazy dichotomy where we are, you have shows like Glee where there are openly gay kids and, and being gay is supported and it's very, um, popular topic and it's, you know, kids are getting educated about, you know, that people are different and families are different. Um, we live all also though in a very sheltered liberal world, you know, and, um, the dichotomy, the dichotomy is huge. We're living in far more conservative times than this, you know, say the 70s or 80s. I mean, you know, it, it's really terrifying. That Rick Perry commercial is horrifying. It's terrifying. It's, yeah. it, it would be funny if um, he wasn't popular but in, and have power and influence, but he is popular and has po- power and influence, and that is terrifying. And, you know, people go, well, he'll never win. And, you know, all these candidates that are so closed-minded and, and really bringing religion into their campaigns, mm-hmm. it's so scary. I never I, – I can't understand – this religion, mixing religion with politics. It's, you know, for these people who are so uh, nailed to the Constitution and our forefathers, our forefathers said separate church and state, yet we still have a court system that says in God we trust over the judge and you swear to God to, to on the Holy Bible, one one religion to tell the truth. Yeah. That's, that is effing crazy to me i can't get my head around it and i feel like everybody just accepts it like ah it's just the way it is i mean it's it's wrong it it doesn't include me so if i go to to tell you know testify in a court case does that mean i can lie i mean how about you just tell the truth because that's the right thing to do and this yeah. is, you know, it's it's not that you're going to go to hell necessarily unless you believe in hell. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I it is it, it is really confusing and it see I guess the what's what's funny about it and what gets skirted about it is that like I think to your point about our founding fathers, they wanted a separation but there's this underlying assumption that it's like I mean, we're all saying we all believe in the same Holy Father and, like, we believe in the Bible. We're just saying let's not make it so much about that rather than, like, no, we have to take that in in such a literal way now where we have to say the expectation can't be that even this small piece exists 
swearing on a Bible, putting your hand on your heart and that swearing that you're part of the American. Yeah. That you're part of the American experience under one nation under God. It's so it's, elitist. Yeah. And that's just the, it's the opposite of what this country's supposed to be about. Give us your poor, your shelter, your yearning to whatever that stuff is. That, just, <laughs> that means give Neither us everybody snow, from any sleep, country. Hail, now we can't have strong enough borders, and uh, the Christian God is our God, and that's the way it is. And anyone else is is uh, anti-American and unpatriotic, and it's Not, which is to say that people who believe in the Christian God also believe like necessarily that they're that you know that they're no. right if you guys are listening out there and you're like well i believe in a christian god and i'm not saying you can't have an but you're not making everybody else yeah. believe it yeah. and and saying that they don't count i mean of course believe in anything you want that's the beauty of freedom and being having anything you want in your mind and believing what you want to believe but to put part of that freedom is letting other people have, you know, those freedoms and respecting them. It's just so scary, you know, and we look at Germany like, ew, it's so tainted from the Holocaust. Mm. Well, we live in a country, uh, where we stole everything and, and, um, from the natives that lived here who, who upon arrival gave us anything we wanted, anything they had was for, was for the pilgrims that to have, they didn't even ha- understand the concept of have, and the pilgrim and and the, the the pilgrims came and scalped the them for hair to sell in in Europe and took their land and raped them of everything they have and killed them off with blankets filled with tuberculosis. <laughs> so we're not exactly. And then we brought in slaves and and. Yeah. Most black people living in America come from a heritage of slavery. So, you know, this country has got a lot of blood on its hands and still does and continues to. You know, we all people always say, well, if the Holocaust happened now, I would have done something about it. Well, the Holocaust is happening now all over the world. So, you know, you can understand how easy it is to be complacent and. Have, have you should have nothing but sympathy for people who didn't help the the genocide of the Jews um, because um, unless you're doing something about the people in Sudan yeah. or edu- or learning about you know Darfur, oh, I got really preachy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you did. I think there's I think there's a real lack of of action taking in um, our in our youth culture of today and certainly in our overall American culture of today, I think to your point, um, we do look backwards at the, at the Holocaust and at Germany and the taint that you described is like, taint. we have the taint. <laughs> we have the taint in presently right now, all over the world, people react to us currently. What we're doing right now today, the same way we turn our noses up at Germany, like right now. Yeah. Well, I, do you remember, I think I'm older than you, but um, <laughs> well, I'm 21. Van Halen, me too. Van Halen had an uh, uh, um, a uh, Van Halen had a video when Sammy Hagar joined the band called "Right Now," and it's you know, oh it's, my gosh, right do now. Do you remember that video? What now? Hey, it's your tomorrow. Well, yeah, it was like an educate. So, it was like the video an educational was cool. video. I mean, it right? was really badass at the time, yeah. you know. And I remember, like, um, and it just had like phrases, yes. like and hard truths, and yeah. Um, and uh, like you're enjoying this song, but don't forget that blank is happening right now. It also happened to be like the uh, the song to Pepsi Clear. <laughs> I think, but, um, but anyway, one of the, put it in its place a little bit. (laughs) One of the like phrases in the video was like, uh, right now, uh, your country is doing things you thought only other countries did. And I was like, Oh, I just, it it hit me hard and like it got embedded in my brain. And, and I think it's in, um, I love America. I mean, I love America, but. I do think it's important to be very, very suspicious of yeah. politics. Yeah, and be responsible to the love that you have for it. And and if you feel a pride in it, make real sure that the pride is justifiable. 
Yeah. And that it's not about uh, assuming that you're better than someone else somewhere else. That's really, really dangerous. Um, uh, we have a few It makes the left. horror yeah. of things that happen all over the world less scary when you think that they are not uh, like you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, nobody sitting in a room anywhere thinks I'm the bad guy. Mm-mm. I mean, who thinks that? Like that's it's so over it's such an oversimplification and we have but that's sort of what we're that's how that's what we're taught even just through our fairy tales through our stories like it's it's really hard to find a story that's simple that's about that's like for kids or whatever when we're like what feels safe to us is to is the us versus them so like the villains are all like villains who know their evil and relish their evilness so i think our expectation as we get older is like well saddam hussein must be sitting in a room somewhere like counting his skull collection and you know what i mean there are no evil villains they're just super damaged people and and nobody says i know i mean unless you're Unless you're clinically insane and you're sort of owning your your own you're owning your evil because that's part of your disease, nobody thinks I'm evil and I'm doing all and I've come to this place and have all this power because um, I'm an evil mastermind. It's not to I say that evil things up. don't evil things evil actions don't happen. They do, Rape, but molestation, my point is, what's incest, is that I think putting most of those two planes people, through through. But the people who do it believe they are doing good or they believe they are, it is a power beyond them. You know, so it's, you have to education and understanding and straight up some form of therapy is the only way to world peace. I mean, you know, because we'll never all agree on stuff. um, But boy, people are just messed up. You know, Mr. Rogers quoted some woman named Mary something, and I can't remember her last name. And she said, there isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story. Mm. And when I think about high school and the, the alliances and the enemies and all that stuff, if you can just keep in mind and have compassion for even the bullies and the kids getting, as much as the kids getting bullied, there is some way to to overcome like a lot of the horror of teenagerhood. A lot of it is chemical. You're going through the biggest changes of your lives and it's, it's, this is what I was going to say way back when. Nice. It makes me crazy when parents or adults laugh at the heartache or the, of, of children and teenagers, like the pain and the heartache that, that, adults trivialized because they're adults i mean it's just as real more real more, more painful real. More yeah hurtful, i felt more feeling stronger and you're feeling things for the first time and it's really intense and it needs to be it needs a little sympathy agree <laughs> a little patience and a little kindness and it makes me crazy when people go, oh, oh she's heartbroken over she's her history teacher. Yeah. yeah. Like, You're like, guess what? You'll probably never feel again what she's feeling right now. Yeah, parents. Take it fucking seriously. It's hardcore. Um, that's why people say I would never go back and do that again. Never. They, and it, that's the same person who says that. It's like the same person who's like, oh, yeah, she thinks it's such a big deal. I'll tell you, I wouldn't go back to being a teenager. Really? Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't go back to it because it doesn't get any harder. It doesn't. If you guys can just exist, just literally, as Courtney Love said, live through this, mm-hmm. you're going to get to a great place where you are an adult and completely in control of your life and control of your happiness and responsible for all of it and it's good and hang on to the stuff that's what i was going to say earlier too i was thinking about the some of the stuff that i used to do when i was a teenager that i kind of dropped somewhere in there when i became too worried about what other people thought but like in high school, I did dye my hair blue, and I did wear, like, 
weird polyester house coats to school because there was some part of me that even though I cared what other people thought, I did want to find my difference and I did want to have a weird, unique voice and not feel and look like everybody else. And I allowed myself to explore that. And then somewhere along the line, that sort of faded away and I kind of did become like, oh, I should probably, oh, I, I, these people are wearing this or like somehow I sort of stopped listening to that and I feel like finding that voice again is like the best feeling in the world when you're like, God, these shoes are so comfortable. For sure they're ridiculous. For it, it, sure. And isn't that kind of great? I mean, look, I like dressing up as a treat, but I do not, I do not, um, I'm not a discomfort person. Like yeah. I, I find ways to make it comfortable. Every once in a while, when I have to wear heels, I get so mad, and I always bring flats. But when I'm like out at night at a diner or wherever, and you see these girls come in late at night from their nights out, and they're shivering oh. and freezing from wearing skimpy clothes and, their and feet high heels, are blue. They're limping and yeah. shivering. Yeah. What's attractive about limping and shivering? Surely you deserve love without being so totally uncomfortable. I know. And and I'll tell you the guys that are into uh the shivering um limping girls are not the guys you want. No. no you don't. You're attracting the wrong you want the guy who's into the Listen, I junior year I wore flannel pajamas to school every single day. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Uh, like, did you vary or did you have one set? No, I only have one set. <gasps> you just did it. But I was clean. Like, I was clean. And then I'd put clean underwear and socks. Mm-hmm. But I just wore the same flannel top and bottoms every day. And what did people say? Were they like, oh, that's Sarah. Yeah, no one said anything. No, I don't know. I, I didn't care at that point. I At that point, by junior year, I had a best friend and we were a force like we didn't care bubble man i remember that bubble i had a girlfriend like that too where i just thought it's possible that our friendship combined has created a superhero yeah and it wasn't an us and them i liked everybody you know i mean i i didn't I liked, I was, you know, I had always survived by being on the periphery. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody had a problem with me. Everybody liked me, but I was not the center of any one group. Yeah, that's actually very much how I was. Yeah. Um, Like, friends with a bunch of different people. Why would I, you know? Right. I I don't want to, I'm not, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a cheer, I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not a, I'm not a, like, I'm not a huge brain, but you guys are awesome and super smart and, um, I definitely feel like I I sort of made it through that way. It would have been so stressful to be the center of a group. Like, talk about compassion. I really feel for you super popular kids out there who are like the queen of your clique or the whatever, like the quarterback or what. I, I just don't, I don't think I could have survived that. I needed to be able to just sort of fade fade back and observe and not feel like present all the time and watched all the time in that way yeah be thankful that you are not the prom queen or the uh, quarterback because a lot of times those people that's the height of their lives and they never um never are happier than that time sometimes they do and they persevere but listen this is the point you're pretty, you're not pretty, it doesn't matter. If you if 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 your worth is on is in your the avatar that is you, you're you're looking at a a downward spiral in life. Your worth has got to be in what is in your brain. Yeah. Um because you know, I I know a woman who's very very sexy and she has two daughters that she's raising with that power of sexiness and it's heartbreaking because that's their self-worth is that they 
Mm. They've got a sexiness. I love sexiness. I love feeling sexy, but I feel it for other, you know, sometimes I laugh because I'll be at a party and I feel so vital and sexy and, and I go to the bathroom and I just laugh because I see myself in the mirror and I don't look nearly <laughs> as good as I feel, but it's so much better. Yeah. To feel better than you look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking in the mirror and looking at yourself and going, why do I feel empty? Why don't I feel good? I, I look like I should. Like, that's confusing and scary. Why not look like crap and feel fantastic? And sometimes you get to fi- feel and look fantastic at the same yeah, time. Yeah, be pretty Those and enjoy happen. that. But don't let that be what all you have to offer because you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I agree. And I'm going to cap it all off by saying... That I'm pretty? That you're pretty <laughs> and you're sexy. Uh, and I respect you more now that I know how sexy you are. No, <laughs> no but I think it, it kind of ties into everything that we've been saying, which is like, if this makes any kind of sense, live your life and experience your life through your eyes, not through someone else's. Yes. Because when you look at yourself the way you think other people see you, you're going to be wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. And that's, and you know what? That's a gift. Like, that is not a, that's not something that you need to take in any sort of a way other than like, oh, permission, permission to not do that anymore. Permission to not do it anymore and just come from the inside out instead of take from the outside and just shove in wherever there, there's a hole. Yeah. Um, and listen to what your ear holes like and what makes your ear holes feel good. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much. That was fun. Um, we really got in there. We really we dug did. around. We rooted Down around. To the nitty gritty. We yelled even. At the beginning, I thought, oh boy, I haven't had coffee and I'm not even finishing sentences. And I think I left like a little word out of a sentence that made it sound caveman like. Well, and- we're going to go back and edit it in with a robot voice. Really? So <laughs> it'll just be like, I can't believe I didn't believe (laughs) um thank you so much for doing uh for doing the podcast and um i love the jv club oh man they love you (laughs) i'm stopping with that guys thanks again As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.